we need a lot of voices who are public in this space and providing support because not I am not everyone's cup of tea. Not everyone is going to resonate with what I'm saying. I am not going to be a person who everyone wants to come to for support. And uh, But I want there to be someone else that is there, that is the connection for them that can say, yeah, I may not be your cup of tea, but this person would be perfect fit for you. And I think that's where supporting each other and having a lot of avenues for um, people to get that support that they're needing and in a way that feels good to them and feels like a real genuine connection um, is just so important. Welcome to the Full Stop Podcast, a childless community podcast with Berenice Smith, Sarah Lawrence, and me, Michael Hughes. If this is your first time here, our podcast delves into the many facets that make up the childless identity, as well as what is going on in the wider childless community. And our hope is that with all our special guests, we can help you craft your own narrative and what it means to be part of the childless community. We also aim to educate those not in our community so they can begin to understand and support those in their lives who may be facing a life without children. Now, this episode spans across three continents with Katie Seppi. Katie is a courageous and authentic powerhouse in the community, and she has been able to harness the power of social media to give support and hope to so many. With the success of her Childless Collective Summit last year, she is back this year with something bigger and better. So we wanted to find out more about this and what it takes to be a leader in our community. Welcome to our podcast, Katie. It's lovely yeah. to catch up with you and to Thanks. find out what's going on with you because you must have an awful lot on your plate right now. <laughs> There's a lot going on, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so Katie, for, for our listeners, who are you and what do you do? So my name's Katie. And I um, started Chasing Creation about three years ago. And um, I really started it originally because I felt like I was needing support around being childless. I was about a year out from my hysterectomy and just felt very lonely in my experience. And so I started an Instagram account and a website where I was blogging a little bit, which has since... uh, it's, I didn't keep up on that for very long, but I found that I started connecting with people on Instagram and just really enjoying the connections I was making there. And then I slowly started adding things. So it started from that to now I've got, um, the Childless Collective Summit, which I did first last, last year was the first year. And then, um, the second one is just coming up here. And I um, have been hosting monthly support circles for about two years that are peer support groups. So um, I'm just really there to facilitate and allow women to make connections with each other. And then I um, have done other things, you know, kind of in between that have come and gone, like conversations with others in the childless community and uh, different webinars and all kinds of things. So, yeah. Wow. Double busy then. <laughs> and in and in that you actually have a like a shall we say a proper job that earns you money to to live as well. How do you do I it? I do. Yeah, I work for a nine uh, nine to five nonprofit. So I have that as well. Yes. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> it's crazy. Isn't it? Yeah, they're crazy. Do you find that when you're doing 
um, you're switching between the two. Do you do you find you have to kind of put on a different hat when you move metaphorical hat from one space to the other? You know, it's interesting because the the emotional side is different, but the actual job that I'm doing is just so similar because at my job, I'm doing events and um, doing trainings. And uh, yeah, so that that's my main focus and uh, running our volunteer, one of our volunteer programs. So I'm connecting with people a lot. So I feel like the actual like tasks I'm doing remain very similar. And the piece that changes is just, you know, who I'm talking to in that emotional space and feeling more passionate and connected uh, with the work that I do here in the childless community. It's amazing because it it's nice when they both feed from each other. That's a really lovely um, situation to be in, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's and it's, you know, this the chasing creation part is where I'm the most passionate. So it doesn't feel like I'm getting on to do more work. It just I get excited about it. That's wonderful. That's really good to hear. I totally understand that because, look, I'm mm. up at midnight and I'm quite excited talking to you guys. So I get it. <laughs> Tell us about the Childless Creative Summit. So how did that, how yeah, did that come so, about? Um, well, I like I said, I do events for my nine to five job. So I've hosted, you know, like a an advocacy summit in Washington, D.C., where we flew in like 300 people and had like trainings and then um did like a Capitol Hill day in Washington, D.C. So I have all this experience running logistics and these kind of bigger uh, trainings and I and and uh, meetings. And I felt like, you know, this is actually I had a bit of a pause in my work from that with the pandemic. And so I thought, you know, why don't I do something like this for the childless community? And if I do it virtual, I it'll be pandemic safe and I can do it at my own time and my own pace. So. Uh, yeah, last year was the first one, and um, it really just came about from feeling like I was meeting a lot of individuals, and both uh, who, you know, were public voices about this, and then also just people who were experiencing it, and I just felt like, man, it'd be really cool to bring all these people together. You know, I would love to have, like, a few days where we had, I could invite, like, my favorite voices within the community to come together to, to talk and then um, just have kind of a, I don't know, like a gathering place for a few days where people can just come and connect. And it's all about our community and what we're experiencing. And I really tried to create the event that I wish I would have had when I was going through it and, and needed it. Yeah, that's something... What struck me about it was how stylish it is, just from the design point of view. Well, that, thank you. It was just I, so, the website's so stylish. It's the whole thing is completely different to anything that I had seen before. Um, oh, you know, yeah. you've got something quite quite cool there. It's not kind of it. It's just very contemporary, and I love that feeling about it last year. And I think it was from from the outside looking in, it felt very different and very buzzy because of that. Because you'd approached it in quite a different way to how other people have done things in the past. You know, we, we, we've all done some bits and pieces in the UK with Fertility Fest, things like that. And of mm. course, this, this wonderful World Childless Week as well. And you've gone about something completely differently again. Um, where do you get your ideas from? Where does that creativity come from? I don't know. I think I've always been a creative person, but it's in like a way 
like I can't, I can't create things from scratch on paper. I can't like paint or draw or do any of those kind of, I have to have something to look at, <laughs> but um, there are certain ways where my creativity has come out. Like certainly with home remodeling projects has been something I love doing. And um, it's funny you mentioned that about the design of the summit because I have no technical skills. And uh, when I started this project had no money, I still really have no money for it. So I have done hundred percent of everything by myself. I, you know, so I, I designed the website and came up with my branding, but I also figured out how do I create a website? So I literally just used, like learned everything on YouTube that I've done has just been through watching videos and piecing, piecing things together here or there. So I'm just waiting for the day when it all breaks down because I'm, I missed something important, but um, it's funny because my, I, my niece who's 20 is helping me with some of the graphics, the social media graphics this year. So I'm paying her to put, put some stuff together for me. And she said, you did a really good job with the fonts. None of them look chuggy, which I, I don't know if you have teenage nieces, you might know what chuggy is, but it's like, um, like embarrassing older lady stuff. Like, uh, it, it, there's a specific term that comes with this, but she's very proud of me that it didn't look chuggy. And I was, I was like proud of myself for knowing the word and being able to keep up with this conversation. <laughs> I'm going to steal that word when I next do some type from font lectures. I'm going to use it. <laughs> Yeah, look it up. It's pretty funny. It's basically like if someone's just like a very basic, like, you know, 40 to 50 year old. So. Wow. <laughs> it's definitely an insult. Check it out. Well, you know, 20 year olds. So this, this, um, this thing that kind of, you know, the, the chasing creation then. So has this been part of your because you said I was blogging and I've kind of let that go. So is this still part of your, your journey? You know, you're, you're dealing with childlessness. What, what does it represent to you now? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because definitely when I started, it was for me, like I, I needed it. I needed the connections. I needed the support. I just wanted to find people. And then since then I have found tons of people, you know, I've connected with literally hundreds of people through the support groups I've been running and through um, just reaching out, you know, talking to people mostly on Instagram and um, holding these, you know, I did the childless um, chats over coffee for a few years, whereas meeting people in the community. And now I have the connections I need. I have a ton of friends through the community. I have a great childless network. And I'm also I think almost five years post hysterectomy now, and I'm in a different place with my grief. So I very, very rarely get sad about being childless anymore. And so it really feels like it's kind of shifted from being something that I desperately needed to now being something where for me, it's more about investing in community and seeing if I can create, continue to create infrastructure and support and community for those coming behind me because, um, I think a lot of times what I, well, what I've seen just in the few years I've been in this community is a lot of people, once they reach a certain point in their uh, kind of healing or moving forward, they, they leave the community, which I think is great and healthy. They don't seem to need the support as much, but then it leaves this huge gap in people who are coming up behind and kind of needing it in those initial days, especially. And so um, you know, my, my uh, master's degree is in social work, but my emphasis is in community empowerment. So I think I always just, it's kind of trained me to see everything through this community lens. And for me, I think that passion has really shifted to like, what would community look like for 
um, the childless community and how can I help facilitate some infrastructure and support that can remain in place for others? It's amazing. Something that's a theme, I think, <laughs> that runs through when we're, we look at the podcast, um, mm -hmm. setting it up now as a CIC. It's that continual something for, for the next generations, isn't it? The, people, people sort of think, oh, it's now and it's here mm -hmm. for, for who we are and the people that are around the table now. And of course, we all have lots of friends in common, I'm sure. Yeah, but actually, there is a whole another next generation, and keeping that that conversation alive so that people in the future are supported as well. That's a really important point, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh no, it's good. So it's legacy. We've got this. I, I don't know about how you feel about it, Katie, but uh, the word legacy is kind of it can be quite triggering for our community, can't it? It's like, well, what am I leaving behind? What What does it all mean? But actually, this. this this creation it's you are looking at the future generations that, as you say that are coming up behind us and having something tangible where they can go oh okay I can go and find people and get the help I need it's amazing is that how you pictured it when you started it it can't have been could it um I mean I, I think I knew from the beginning when I started it that I wanted to build in some kind of like different support and ways for people to engage like the very first thing I did with it was uh did, I did like a book club with um, around Jody Day's book and had a group of, um, there were maybe, I don't know, seven or eight of us that met over, you know, a few months to, to discuss each chapter of the book. And um, so I always knew that I wanted it to be engaging and a way to, to actually connect people, if not in person, which has been really hard these last few years. And because I don't know how I get enough people in the same area together, but these, uh, I think these virtual spaces of being able to connect in different ways um, I certainly, you know, had thought about that and, and how I could facilitate those connections that were deeper and just felt different where you're actually like seeing someone and hearing someone live. Um, it, not that the online stuff, I love the online stuff, obviously like Instagram is my favorite, but, um, you can only go so far with feeling connected to someone if they're still not only just behind the screen, but you're not seeing and hearing them on video and, having that live interaction. So um, yeah, I knew that I wanted to create as many opportunities like that as I could. And hopefully I can do actual live events someday. I would love that to do in-person ones. You also do a course as well, don't you? The the Rocking Your Response course. Yeah, I did put up. How did just that go? Where, where did that idea come <laughs> from? I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> well, I started, it's a question I get asked all the time of just how do I like I have such a hard time in social situations responding to people when I get all these like different bingo questions and so I had kind of come up with a system that helped me a lot and so I thought maybe I could just put this into an online course that people can take at their own pace it's short you know it's like it's only an hour long but it has a lot of journaling exercises it's kind of more like a workshop so uh, people go through modules and um, I have just a framework for how to create some different responses in advance that and you create a few different ones so that you have ones ready to go depending on the situation because I found that for me having like five or six go-tos at the top of my head that I'd already rehearsed and practiced and they were just right there um, really helped to um, help me interact in those situations in a way that felt better for me mm -hmm. and so you know you can't stop people from asking but <laughs> If you're, you feel a little bit more prepared, hopefully you can get to a place where you're not caught off guard quite as much and where it maybe hits not so hard because you feel a little bit more ready to respond. So, 
That's incredible. I think that's one of those amazing things that happens that you that you, you don't anticipate that you, you come into this space and it's a place of quite a lot of grief for all of us and we all still carry yeah. that grief. But out of it, you can find the most unexpected opportunities that happen and you think, oh, okay, I can see a gap in that. And I, I just love that sense of with what you're doing, how you start with something that, you know, as you say, to blog, and then it becomes what it's become now and the coffee mornings, the book, and incrementally you're adding something to this that actually anybody who is listening to the podcast could go, oh, oh okay, yeah, maybe I could write something, a little blog or do a thing and, and evolve themselves. And you never know what direction we're all going to take. But actually what you've done is created almost with the responses and the mini little course that you've got that people can then just build a bit of armour that then gets them to the next bit and then the next bit and how that bringing everyone together is creating sort of a vibe that that we can all feed from and then we all become stronger together which is a a wonderful thing that you're doing you're creating a community that's a lot stronger for you being part of it and for inspiring people I think that's very very admirable well thank you I mean I think for me I I don't feel like it's as much about me as just creating the opportunity, right? Like if I can find ways to connect each, because I think what happened was I was getting a lot of DMs on Instagram of people saying, you're the only person I've ever talked to about this, or I'm so glad that I've talked to you. And my DMs, once my Instagram account started growing, I was getting a lot of those messages and I was like, well, I'm not prepared to spend all day on here. Like processing the people in here and stories you know as much as I'd love to but it just became really overwhelming so that's when I started thinking like I've got to find ways to be connecting people to each other so that I'm not the only connection that they feel within the community that I can facilitate those connections across the board so that they uh, not only can connect with others who are experiencing it but also you know I, I really love meeting people who are public voices in this. So I think like my niece was looking through my uh, speaker page when she was helping with the graphics. And she said, how do you know all these people? Who are all these people? And I said, well, I've just been like meeting people over the last five years that I've been in this community. And I just like almost everyone on here is a friend. I don't think I had anyone that was like a cold outreach where I didn't know them already. So, um, you know, I, I think it's about connecting participants to each other, but then um, also giving them exposure to all of these amazing public voices for childlessness so that they have other resources and can see what each individual person's working on and get connected to all these other resources as well. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Right. So I guess we all do know each other don't we I mean I think that's the, the weird thing is it is quite a small world in a, in a weird way although it's not because it's a very big world but actually there's just so many people coming on board and actually having feeling that they can talk about this now as well and, yeah. and have a voice and have a space in which they can express their words as well I think um you're underplaying yourself when you just when you say oh, Instagram because I've just looked at your followers. You've got 11,500 followers on Instagram. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone yeah. in our community that has that many people following on Instagram. Sarah and Bear and Lisa are probably sick and tired of me going, you should see Katie on Instagram. You should see Katie on Instagram. <laughs> He's such a fanboy. He's a total fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I love the platform. I love the way that I can just express how I'm feeling and um, I – 
you know, the feedback that I get back the most is like, you just feel authentic and what you say resonates me with me in a way that I don't like, you're able to express things that I feel, but I haven't really been able to put into words is what I hear a lot from people. And so, um, I think, I think Instagram, you know, it's like a, it's definitely a platform for the, the right demographic of people who would be kind of first experiencing childlessness or realizing that that's what, that they're going to be childless. And there's just a real gap. Like when I started, I only saw a couple of other accounts of people who were talking about this and um, I, I had no idea what was going to happen when I started talking about it. But I think especially the infertility community, you know, people who are still trying and uh, but are kind of in those last stages. I think I get a lot of those people who either are still trying or have just ended it. And that's when they find my account. And so for a lot of the people that find me, it's very fresh. And I think, um, I don't know, I guess, you know, the way I, I talk about it, I, I am very vulnerable. I try to bring my authenticity and just really share how I'm feeling. And I think that people pick up on that and it comes off, off as genuine because it is, you know, it's a place for me to just really share how I'm thinking. So what I'm thinking about. So, yeah. I just want to congratulate you because it's just tremendous. I don't, don't think there's mm. a, I'm just being a fanboy, sorry, but um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's anyone else. And I, while, while we're, while we're talking about you, Katie, I have to tell you that Vicky and I have a really cute, I hope it comes across as a cute nickname for you, because if I say, if, if we say to each other, oh, did you see the pixie today? That's you. Because you're like the Tinkerbell pixie sort of. And, and Vicky often says, oh, I just want to squeeze that girl. <laughs> I get that a lot. I'm also only 5'1". So I I often get, yeah. I, often I, think, get you're taller, I think you're taller than Vicky. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I think what I like about the Instagram is that you have um that as I go to so much stuff because I mean Sarah you must get this as well with what you do with any kind of training that you not that I do much training I tend to pick it up as I go along but it's like pay attention to the grid on Instagram the grid the grid matters and how you look at the grid and all the rest I'm just, yeah my grid is a mess to be fair because it's just completely again authentic um and it's kind of what do I feel like on that day and what am I going to post and how do I feel that's not the full stop one by the way just for listeners it's my own one for um hello lovely but it is just kind of like how you feel and what you want to do and it does keep it fresh it keeps it very personal doesn't it as well yeah I mean I think if I if I I never went on to Instagram trying to I, I have never cared about how many people follow me. Like that's, to me, that's not, it's just like a vanity metric, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't actually mean anything to me. I think I'm more interested in the relationships and having the people there who actually connect with me and want to be there because there's a, a connection on a deeper level that they're, what I'm seeing resonates with them. And um, I think if I had to care about followers and like, making my grid perfect and all, I mean, I, like all those things that Instagram tells you to do posting every day. Like I sometimes will go weeks without posting. And then sometimes I show up a lot because it depends on how I'm feeling. Mm. Um, if I followed all those rules, it would no longer be fun. And I wouldn't 
do it anymore. So I think um, for me, it really is about those like authentic connections that I can make with people. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've had some posts, especially ones where maybe I talk about um, like social or political views. And I have had posts where I've lost like 400 people with one post that have unfollowed me. And um, I just figure, you know, if I'm trying to create community, part of that is about finding my community and finding people who, res who resonate with me and that I, you know, can, uh, I, yeah, that we, that we are on the same wavelength. So yeah, for me, it's really not, I mean, I've been surprised at how many people have followed my account because I wasn't expecting it. But to me, it's about like, where can I create those like more meaningful engagements with people and um, can't do that with that many people. So that's where I've really loved moving into these different like live spaces through Zoom and getting to know people on a deeper level that my the support circles are my favorite because I actually get to spend um, an hour and a half with people every month, just hearing about what's going on with them and you know, hearing them talk about what they're struggling with and giving each other support. And it's just a really beautiful place to be. And, and I enjoy the interactions I have on Instagram, but they can only go so far in terms of actually creating that like genuine relationship. So, yeah, absolutely. I think it's very inspiring just to, to find, I think, a, an area that you feel sort of happy with with and grow I think out of that into something else and you're right I think it's just getting that sort of personal connection a little bit of zoom time and I really hope that you manage to get something that's in person that would be really really exciting and the years to come would be really good yeah yeah like I would love to do the the summit in person but I know from the nonprofit I work at that doing those in-person events the costs are just so enormous I mean like tens of thousands of dollars a lot of the time and I don't have that to pay out of pocket. Um, so I think it would have to be, yeah, I've thought about it, uh, but I think there are some additional challenges that come with it being live, most of them money, but. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? It's an interesting yeah. thing. We've had this conversation so many times behind the scenes. Um, and it's, we were talking about something a while ago. We sort of riff ideas for episodes behind the scenes and about supporting the people who, um, create these events you us um lots of people doing lots of kind of you know small but significant and sometimes much bigger things and our support network as well and how we have to sort of rely on each other too and of course there's the three of us so at any time I need to sort of you know, oh like this as I had a bit of an emotional week this week and I sort of knew in the back of my head um that I had Sarah and Michael there and actually, I had a brief conversation with Sarah the other night. And it was just like, OK, the thing that's not making me fall apart is that actually I know you're there. And that was the bit that mattered. I didn't need to sort of say anything much to Sarah, but I knew she was there. Yeah. What is your support network? Who keeps you going with all the things you're doing? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I mean, I have a fantastic therapist, so that is one. Um, but also, you know, my husband is very supportive. So especially with these like really long days that I do in, in before the summit, I mean, I'm, I'm basically my nights and weekends are, are almost all this. So I'll say, you know, I have like this three hour block of time that I'm going to 
spend with you today? Do you want it to be in the afternoon or the evening? And then the rest of the time I have a workspace and I just head to my workspace and I'm just, you know, trying to get everything done. So, um, so, so he's very supportive of giving me like the space and time that I need to be getting done what I, what I want to. Um, and then I've got just some amazing friends in the childless community. So I think, um, you know, there's the childless community is so big. It's like this huge pool. And I think you slowly start to find the people you have more in common with outside of childlessness, the people that really resonate with you, the people that you want to stay on the phone with for hours, like those people that just seem to be um, an additional layer of connection. And so I, I definitely have, you know, a few of those people that I talk to through Instagram DMs every single day, you know, that we're connecting and um, that's been really helpful. That's amazing. That's good to hear. Where, where do you see it going? So you said in an ideal world, you know, utopian, I have all the money I could, I could possibly need. Where do you see it going? Have you got any plans for it longer term? Yeah, so I always have more ideas than I can actually execute. Time is always my issue um, <laughs> because I am very always like future focused and have a lot more fun coming up with ideas of what could be than actually executing them. So I think my my difficulty is reining in what could be in those ideas to make them fit with time constraints. But I think I'm at this kind of crossroads right now where I'm seeing that because the childlessness piece is taking up kind of less space in my personal life, um, because I'm not feeling the grief as heavy as I was when I started it. And as I've come up with more ideas, Chasing Creation is also taking a lot more time than it used to, to keep going and manage and keep everything going monthly. Like I had to um, cancel my support circles the last few months in order to use that time for the summits. And I've had so many emails from people being like, why did you cancel these? I look forward to them every month. And I hate having to make those decisions, but I am just so limited right now in time. So I think I'm at this crossroads of, I, I really feel like I either need to find a way to be able to move into chasing creation full time and have, um, be able to offer things that are of, of value to people that um, I can replace my salary from the nonprofit job that I have right now and make a move over to chasing creation um, so that I can quit my job and do this full time. And I think if that happens, you know, there are a number of ways that I would like to see it grow. And I have a lot of ideas and projects for what that might look like. Um, I just got my coaching. Uh, I went through a coaching program. So I'm uh, working on, you know, getting additionally credentialed through that, but also starting to take some pro bono clients. So I think coaching could be a part of that. Um, I would love to keep doing the summit and maybe having like a, maybe trying out like a smaller hybrid event where some people meet in person, but then there's still online things that's, that are accessible to everyone. Um, I would love to do like smaller in-person retreats. Um, I started last year, the Childless Collective, which is like a map where people can connect with each other based on location and when you sign up it's very simple there's not a lot to it but basically it's just you see people's profiles a little description about them and then they're actually on a map so you can kind of see where people are located and it has like tags so you can um, find people who share similar experiences to yours and search by those so um, I would love to grow that and have the time that I need to actually um, you know put the time into that that it deserves because I think it could 
be more than it is right now. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I've got a, I've got a million ideas. I think it's just the, the financial piece to be totally honest is the part that's really hard right now because to do a full-time job and then be doing all this on the side, uh, means that I don't have time for the things that would keep my life more balanced. And, um, you know, I moved back to Utah to be near family and I have, feel like I barely see them because I'm so busy. And so that's been a really hard thing to have to make these choices of, you know, my, this is starting to take time for my relationships and, um, my friendships and, uh, the time that I usually would have to decompress or read it. I can't even remember the last time I read like a novel just for fun. It's all those things that I want to start bringing back into my life. And, that chasing creation right now is taking the time of. So um, I think if I can't find a way to switch over full time, I'll probably either have to scale back from what I'm doing now and just have it be something very small um, or maybe let it go entirely so that I can just bring that time and space back into my life that I need to uh, have a balanced life where I'm not mm -hmm. just working all the time and feeling burned out. So um, that's kind of a hard thing to talk about with the community. Uh, but I've been talking about a little bit more on Instagram and just trying to explain to people what it actually takes for me to do uh, everything that I'm doing. And, and I love doing it, but it's starting to, I guess, just hit this uh, point of, I, I can't, I can't do it like I am for much longer because it's just too much that's such an important thing isn't it avoiding burnout because as much as much as we love doing everything we, we can't be all things to everyone can we yeah. yeah well thank you for being so open and honest about that yeah I mean I've been trying to talk about it a little bit more like I said on Instagram just to give people an idea of like this is, this is what it looks like for me in my life to be able to do this. And I'm hoping that people can see that and say, yeah, you know, I, I do think it's worth chipping in a little bit for this thing that you're creating or to attend this event or to, you know, to, to show up for you um, as well, because, you know, I, I think if, if everyone chipped in a little bit, I could replace that nonprofit salary. And, and I'm not asking people to do it for free, but if they, you know, value the work that I'm doing, then, um, you know, buy an extended access pass at the summit or um, come to one of my support circles, join the Childless Collective, you know, uh, and I think it's been, it's difficult to put a price on those things and um, to have the expectation that people pay. And it's put me in this very weird situation where I, I, I need to in order to keep doing it um, as hard as it is. And now that I'm at this position of realizing I really have to do it so that I can switch over or it's not going to be there. Cause I just can't, I, I physically like even, I just can't keep doing the double, the double job. So. I think that's a very difficult conversation to have. It's one that we, all three of us have every empathy with because it isn't endless. It just isn't. And that's with three of us doing it. And if you're on your own, it's even harder. It's much more work to do, but there was something I read a, a while ago and it was um about the idea of paying for something and I forget who it was but they said that if, if you're the kind of person who can just buy a coffee without really thinking about it mm. you're my audience because that's what I need you to do it literally is buy a coffee and that small 
in you know what two what, over in the UK um, translating it to to other other um, currencies I'm not so good at but you know over here what say two three quid or something like that that yeah. actually makes a massive difference if everybody who was on your Insta feed in the same way with yeah. us with every subscriber to our listeners list just chipped in two three quid it would make yeah. a massive difference to us but it's kind of having that conversation and it's a really difficult one because you know, all the things that we do your website like ours it needs money to be hosted it's not just the kind of the, the personal time but it's you know certainly when I look at our website and I know it's the same with um Sarah Michael would, would say the same it's kind of you look at it and think okay it costs this much and I equate it to okay I've got to do another design job for that out of my work in order to pay yeah. for that bit and Sarah will do something to pay for her bit and so it goes on and that's a really tough conversation because nobody wants to make money from somebody else's grief if you like or their their space their their, their space within our space if that makes sense but actually ultimately in order to deliver the things that we're doing and to have a good work-life balance and not get that burnout you have to breach this sort of gap again. Look, actually, you know, this is not endless. Um, however nice that might feel, it doesn't always work like that. So yeah, I think if you're if you are a fan of of Katie and you can spare a coffee, a couple of dollars for a coffee, then yeah, go chip in because that's really important, a very important message um for people to take away from this. However awkward that feels and I'm sort of yeah. turning off and going, I'm going to just hide under the desk now. <laughs> But you know, yeah. we're business owners at the end of the day you know Sarah, yeah. we run a business um you know separately not together but you know we're business owners but it's still awkward isn't it <laughs> it's really awkward and I think I will be completely honest and say that a lot of my therapy sessions the last six months or year have just been having these conversations about if I am charging for things if I if I do this full-time what does that mean if I'm making my income switching from a nonprofit to this? And how do I do it in a way that feels aligned with my values and that feels good to me? And so I can tell you some examples of how I've tried to do that. Like one is I have everything I was turning to for um, business advice, marketing advice, promotional, that stuff felt so icky and gross that like 99% of what I was finding, I was throwing out because I'm saying, I'm not doing this. I'm not, this is, this doesn't feel good to me. I'm not doing it. I didn't, I wasn't finding resources to kind of replace that. Right. Because I have to do promotion. I have to do marketing. I have to have an email list. I have to do all these things if I want to be doing this full time, but everything just felt gross. So I started looking into, um, trauma-informed practice in terms of sales, which sounds weird, but, you know, like finding people who talk about, you know, don't do this practice because it's, it might be triggering people's trauma and, you know, like a fast action thing where it's like, you have 15 minutes to get this discount. Like, you know, don't do that because it's putting pressure on people or, um, so looking at like feminist business practices, human first, like, you know, ethical business practices, I've slowly kind of found those, um, people who work in those spaces that I can learn from and say, yeah, I can, I can talk about this thing in a way that feels really good to me and that I don't feel like it doesn't feel sleazy or, or creepy to be talking about it in this way. And so I think that was like one piece of it. And then the other piece was um, 
realizing that the skills that I'm using are the same ones I'm using at my nonprofit, which is also to help people. It's a different demographic and the differences that people would you know, be paying me directly instead of getting funding through a nonprofit. And I thought about setting up uh, through a nonprofit, but the biggest thing that led me away from that model is that um, you're reliant on funders if you do that. And so I have seen through a lot of nonprofits I've worked at that people's missions and what they offer really tend to shift based on where the funding's coming from. Um, I also really didn't know who wants to fund like childless people <laughs> in this work. But if I did find them, I just figured, you know, I, I want to be able to create what I think is best for the community and what people are telling me that I need. And if I start accepting money from foundations or corporations or whoever, they have their own idea of what they want it to be used for. And then my time is now shifting to whatever to fulfill those grant needs instead of uh, necessarily being able to shift and move toward what people are saying that they need. So um, I wanted to do just a more direct model and I, I will always have things that people can access for free or very low cost. And then I may have some things that cost a little bit more, like if people want to do coaching with me or um, I think the summit's a really good example. Like the summit, you can watch a hundred percent of the presentations for free. Um, you have access to each day's presentations for 24 hours for free. So anyone can watch all of the summit presentations without paying anything. Um, for those who can pay uh, for extended access to those, you can buy a pass for like around hundred bucks. You have access to all the presentations for a year and um, you get some other goodies in there as well. And that is how I can keep the summit going is for those who can pay for it um, to be able to purchase that pass. And, and this year I'm including a way for people to split up the payments into three months so that it can make it more accessible as well. Um, but in thinking about how I wanted to bring my values to this space, it was important to me that every single speaker who participates gets paid. I can't pay everyone a lot, like for those who are professionals, it may be less than what they're making for it, you know, their time typically, but it's something. And that felt really good to me because I figure if, if I feel like I'm deserving of getting paid for the time I'm investing in this community, then I want others to be getting paid for the time they're investing in the community. Um, so I've got 40 speakers this year and I'm paying all of them. So if you're wondering like, where does that money from the past go? Uh, that's the biggest expense of the summit is paying all the speakers. And then there are actually a lot of tech um, pieces that, that get pretty expensive. Um, so yeah, it's, it's uh, I think that's something that's just been really difficult for me is trying to figure out how do I align my values to coming into this space and feeling good about the work that I do and, and charging for things, knowing that I have to, if I want to keep doing it, but I need to do it in a way that feels good and authentic and, and ethical for me so yeah I don't think you're alone in that I think we've had the massive cringes around it as well haven't we mm. like in terms of not not wanting to look as though you're trying to profit off of other people's misery so yeah we can we completely get it but you can't run it on on love and thin air as we said so Oh, if I were independently wealthy, this would be a very different oh. conversation. <laughs> but um, absolutely, but this idea—I think this idea of like profiting off of others' grief has never really resonated with me. I, maybe because I'm a social worker, and so I have—I have worked in the nonprofit space, and and I have all like so many friends in social work and that are therapists, and so I see like 
there are very important needs that need to be met by like social services, different programs and uh, people who provide those supportive services. And in my mind, this is a personal opinion, but those should be covered by uh, government programs. We should have very robust like social support so that people have access to mental health care. They have access to um, addiction recovery. They have access to um, support if they're, you know, if you're struggling with being childless, you should be able to see a therapist. I think those things should be covered. Um, they're not, and I can't really change that, but that means that if we want to have resources in place, somebody does have to cover the cost of those. So this idea of profiting off of others' grief, it's, I think about that and I'm like, would you say that about a therapist or would you say that about uh, um, someone who works at an addiction recovery center or, you know, everyone has to get paid. Any job you can find that is even, you know, like a child protective services worker, they have a salary at the end of the day and not a very good one. I wish it were more, but, um, you know, like every, every, every person who's in a helping profession has to have a way to pay their bills at the end of the day. And I think because I've been working at nonprofits, I really see the shift as like, I'm going from the nonprofit paying me a paycheck to working like directly with people who need the support. And, and if I can find ways to make it accessible and have low cost and free options in addition to some more expensive ones that I know everyone won't be able to access, but I have those other things in place so I can kind of do a balancing act to get my own uh, you know, needs met. Of, of being able to pay my bills and uh, have, you know, take a vacation now and again and have a little bit of savings and plan for my future. I, like, I still need those securities that I have with my job right now in order to, to switch over. So um, it is a very difficult conversation. Like I said, I've spent months in therapy talking to my therapist about what does this all mean for me? Can I do this? Am I able to do it in an ethical way? It feels really weird. I've never asked someone for money in this way. And uh, a lot of it's just, I think, realizing if I don't do it, I'm going to let chasing creation go because I can't, I just can't do this and a job. And the mental health impact of that, I think, given how much it means to you, is a really, really hard one to tackle. Yeah. We've thought about too with the podcast. Yeah. We, we all do something else. And the podcast is kind of, it's kind of the side hustle that's not the side hustle because mm -hmm. I think we're all quite well known or probably more well known for the podcast than we probably are anything else we've done. I'm conscious of that. You know, I've been into business stuff and things like that. You know, yeah, I run a design business, but oh, podcast. <laughs> Second, the, the design stuff pays for the podcast actually because it's the side yeah. hustle, the hustle, the hustle, the hustle, and the side hustle. And it all kind of joins up. So I think every empathy with that because I think it, it has it, 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 what we all do matters to us it's just as chasing creation is part of your journey and so the podcast is part of our journey but trying to make sure that you get the balance right so that it doesn't become something actually that you can resent as well yeah. I think you know that it can feel resentful sometimes you try not to but you think oh gosh there's only so much that one can can do endlessly so yeah I thank you for your honesty yeah um in that you know really I, I think it's a conversation that is is long overdue um in our community and um 
I hope no one takes offence to that, but it it is a conversation that I think we, you know, it has to be pulled into the open. So it's a wonderful opportunity to to talk about that. So what's coming up this year with Chasing? What what's going on at the summit? Who's turning up? And we know we're there, but you know who else? What's going on? <laughs> Shameless plug. Yeah, no, I I'm I'm gonna get into that before I do. I just want to respond really quickly to to what you said because it resonated with me. I think. Um, I think, you know, we, I talked earlier about how we don't have a lot of these supportive structures in place that outlast someone who may, you know, come up with an idea that they that they run for a year or two, and then they're like, oh, this, this I'm feeling better about this, or, you know, this is taking too much time, so then they leave. And whenever I hear someone say, there's not enough resources for this. There's not enough support. Where am I supposed to go to get help with this? But here I can find 40 speakers for my summit very easily. Um, these people all also need support to continue what they're doing so that we have a structure in place and people who can stay within the space longer term uh, so that the support is there. And I think maybe making that connection of like, if I want to be able to go somewhere for support and believe that there should be people within the community who can stay long-term so that they can be helping with those waves of people coming in and out. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like most of the people I met five years ago in the childless community aren't really that active anymore. A lot of them have moved out of the space. And it was the same thing when I first came to realize I was going to be childless. The first thing I did was look for books. And of course, Jody's book was there. Uh, but then I also had a few memoirs and people who had written books. And when I went to look for them, they've all are doing other things. They're not in this space anymore. And so I think that's just a really important thing to think about is why aren't, why isn't there more built-in support? Why aren't there these, you know, structures that have lasted for a long time? Obviously Jody's has, um, and she's, she's been doing it full-time for a long time. And I know there are others, um, you know, Stephanie is working to do the um, World Childless Week each year, and she doesn't get paid anything for that. She puts a lot of time into doing that herself. So there are people who are contributing, but I think if we we want to see long-term structures in place, unfortunately, this is just part of it, and it is awkward, but. I think there's a, before we get on to what's coming up, I'm putting on my, my Aussie male hat now. Um, Katie and I have had a discussion about how open Aussies can be. And I think I think there is a reality here that just needs to be said, is that the only place that this support is going to come from is the community itself, because we've talked about the fact that no government's going to take this up. So the reality is that, and I don't want to piss people off, but it, it's almost like you're saying that the community's got to step up. If you want the support, if you if you if you enjoy the podcast, if if you get lots of what Katie does, the reality is it's got to come from the community. Otherwise, yeah, it's going to be it, it grows and it becomes too big, and you know you you end up in a situation that you're in, Katie. Yeah, I mean it's a terrible feeling to have to feel like if I'm shutting down, it's because chasing creation got too big and took up too much time. That would be the worst reason to have to it quit would. it. Right. It would, um, but it's the reality. 
Yeah, it is. It really, it really is the reality. And I don't want to make, you know, sort of make it this, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. But I think it's something that people really need to think about really, really deeply. Yeah, and I think we make a lot of investments, you know, we've been through infertility uh, and and health stuff, like investing in those parts of ourselves and uh, and even like the mental health, like I, the therapist I see, I've had to pay out of pocket, which luckily I have, I am able to right now. Um, but, you know, it's, it's quite a bit of money. And uh, I think it's, we don't often, we don't always have to pay for the support that we need, because like you said, there are government programs for some things that cover certain types of support or things that we might need, depending on what country you're in, that's going to vary. But um, yeah, there is just nothing in place for this, right? So it's like you said, Michael, it does have to come from within the community. And uh, I think unless we can make it sustainable for people to do that long-term, we're going to have this in and out cycle of somebody coming in, being there for a couple of years and then leaving. And it doesn't create these like kind of longer term infrastructures for support and connection. It's a conversation. I think also that if you have something that's big enough and people can, those who can afford to invest can then create spaces for those who cannot mm -hmm. as well to create something that's more equal. Um, I'm reading a very good book at the moment, John Alexander, um, a book called Citizens about equality and accessibility to things and and creating a level playing field as well mm. and it's a really interesting book and an awful lot of it I keep thinking oh yeah 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 yes that is something that needs to happen I think in in many cultures um it's written from he's a, a British author so it's very relevant to our climate in in this country anyway without wanting to get too political but it's kind of making something fixing a system that's broken that becomes elitist but I think we've all arrived in these spaces for different reasons and as you say some of us arrive having spent thousands on therapy thousands mm -hmm. on different ways of trying to have a child or in fact sometimes you just you need a break as, as I had um, from, from a working environment because actually that becomes untenable too. So it's um, are creating opportunities for others um, who may not be able to afford it is really important as well. Yeah, and I think that's, like I said, I, I always plan to offer free and low cost options for support and ways that people can get connected to, to support that they need. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've thought about that with my coaching. If I can, if I can get to a place where I am self-sustained, I would love to have spots open where I can offer pro bono or sliding scale coaching. So I think that's definitely something that's always on my mind of uh, the, the equity piece is one of the values I wanted to bring to this work. And so uh, it's something I think about with everything I do. Um, yeah. I think the danger as well is that if you people might say well, about sponsorship and you briefly touched on that before, but um, we've certainly found that when we've looked at things like that, you know, of course, we get money. We're, oh, yeah, we're an IVF clinic. We can come and do that. You know, we'll give you some money, but you've got to promote our adverts or something like that. Yeah. So actually, nobody kind of wants to give money to us, as you say, because who does? You know, um, we're not kind of a really good demographic for that sort of sponsorship, the type of thing that you sort of need, because it's not the same as trying to conceive or anything like that. You have to be really, really careful about 
who you would want to let through the doors in that kind of way and to give the voice and then you lose the authenticity and the autonomy that you have to do the things you want to do and the flexibility as well to to respond yeah. to situations as you might need to as we you know we did and doubtless you have as well with pandemic you know you can adjust and shift your model because actually it's minimal effort but actually you can change the way you address things without having to worry about somebody else with a bigger voice um, that may want a say in all of those things yeah I mean 100% when I look at because I, I have looked at infertility conferences that you know might be similar to the Childless Collective Summit to see well who's sponsoring this who sponsors um resolves infertility awareness week who sponsors you know these different like summits or, or conferences that I see and it's almost exclusively uh clinics and uh big pharmaceutical companies so it's all around that uh big billion dollar industry of uh IVF and fertility and uh you know that's not appropriate for this audience and so and I don't know if I would feel good about partnering with with those, even if I were still in the infertility space. So um, I actually did, do have one sponsor for the 2022 Childless Collective Summit that I'm really excited about. Um, it's uh, Jay from Child Free Wealth. So it's actually a financial planner who only works with people who are um, child free, childless. And I didn't reach out to very many people because I really thought about who would be a good fit and would be someone that I think my audience would want to hear from and be excited to hear from. And I know you know, a lot of people struggle with thinking about what, how do I set up my finances so I can support myself later in life and know that I am taking care of myself and have that in place. And so um, I feel really good about him coming on as a sponsor. He's fantastic. He's really good at what he does. And I felt like it would be a really natural fit because it's, it's something that I think people in our community think a lot about and will want to hear from. Mm -hmm. So um, that was actually one of my uh, when I talked to him, one of the things I really wanted was for him to actually do a presentation, you know, not just have a logo on things, but like, uh, we want to hear from you and, and hear, you know, your thoughts on, on this subject. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited that he came on, but it's, it was really tough in thinking about who would I even approach? And my list was very, very small because I only wanted to approach people that I felt like would, would add to the summit and be of like real value to the people that were there. So. So what else you got going on? For the summit um oh yeah so without, I'll, without telling us any secrets <laughs> yeah well i can tell you more about um the childless collective summit and what people can expect so um this is a four-day event it's happening from july 14th through the 17th and i have uh, 40 speakers so you'll hear from a lot of people um and the way that i structured this last year and i decided to keep it the same this year is uh, each day has a theme. So the first day is um, sharing our stories. And the next day is finding healing. The third day is making connections. And then the last day is looking ahead. So um, really different content, depending on the day that you're, you know, you're watching presentations and such a huge variety in the topics that people choose to present on within those themes. So um, I, I allow all of my speakers to choose their own topic. And so we have just such a, I've, I've been watching all of them the last few days that they've been coming in and they're all so good and so different. I mean, the topics are different. The way the, that people choose to present the information is really different. So I think it's got something for pretty much everyone. Um, and again, it's free to attend. So you can 
join and watch all the sessions uh, within for each day you you have access for 24 hours to all the presentations and then um, if you want access after that you can buy an all access pass which gives you access for an entire year and I think that's really helpful too if you want to have more time to process them and revisit but also I think different different uh, presentations may land on you differently depending on where you're at in in your journey so if you watch if you watch them now different things may resonate with you than if you watch it six months from now or a year from now so um yeah so it, we do have a schedule so while you can watch them at your own you know leisure they are open for for 24 hours each day so that people in different time zones can access them um but we do have a schedule and if you follow along with the schedule there's a live chat that goes along with each presentation and um, the speakers of that presentation will join in the live chat so that you can you know ask them questions while you're watching their presentation and have that live interaction with people and then i'm building in a few other avenues for some interaction between attendees as well but um, i really tried to think about how do I make it accessible? How do I make sure the information is really amazing that, that people are going to get? Um, how do I create opportunities for connection? So I think I think I have done all that. I'm really excited. Uh, and I'm just so grateful to everyone who has submitted their presentations and you know agreed to be a part of the summit because it is just such an amazing collection of resources and information for the community. And, no matter where you're at or who you are, I think there's going to be stuff in there for everyone because it's just such a diverse range of topics and, and information that's included. So I'm very excited. I think also um, having been part of World Childless Week, one of the things that we find is that by the end of it, you're emotionally spent. The benefit, like the other benefit of, of your access pass is that, that you can actually expose yourself to as much as you want to, rather yeah. than in a four-day period, over a fifty-two-week period, you know, so you can, yeah. have a bit, you know, because I know that's also um, an issue that we've seen in the past. So, yeah, good idea. I can't, I can't wait to see some of it. This sounds really amazing, actually. I think the fact that you've got such a spread means that, as you say, anybody within wherever they are in their journey can dip in and go. Well, actually that sounds interesting or actually that's not me right now I think it sounds really good yeah and I I'm actually adding tags to each of the presentations so that people kind of have an idea of what things are discussed or who it might be best for because some of the um feedback I got last year was like there's too many presentation presentations I can't watch all of them and so why well, you know I didn't really even expect that everyone would watch all of the presentations because it, some of them just may not be applicable to you in your situation. And so I think the tags will really help people look at the schedule in advance and see like, what are the ones I'm really excited about or that are the best fit for me and who I am? Um, like for example, there's a woman who's presenting on, um, I think her presentation is called uh, Healing the Wound of the Childless Stepmom. And um, that's Beth from the Inclusive Stepmom. She's amazing. But how many of us are stepmoms, right? Like it's a small group, but the people who are stepmoms and are childless, they really, that's a group that we don't hear about that often and they really need the support. So, um, you know, that's a good example of one that is not going to be for everyone, but for the people that it is for, I think they're really going to appreciate being included and having something that's tailored to them. So 
yeah, I, I tried to be really um, conscious about how I, how I designed that and making sure that there were, that a lot of different people's stories were represented. Sounds wonderful. Sounds also that you're taking on so much feedback as well, which I think is important too, isn't it? That we learn and we grow with the people who um, listen and take part as well, our audiences. That's really a lovely thing to do that people feel they're being listen to and you're taking on board that feedback well done yeah I actually had a few hundred responses to the the follow-up survey each day I did a different one each day and I had a few hundred um, responses each day from people and I read through every single one and took that to heart as I was planning this year to see you know what people were what were the themes coming up that people said you know this is what I like to see change so I'm hoping I made some improvements this year. It's going to be even better. Fantastic. <laughs> feedback's tough. There's an, an article that I do on, on with the design stuff about you know, tuning up feedback and feedback is tough, <laughs> but I hope it's rewarding as well yeah. in there too. That's an awful lot of responses and well done because that's it's tough to get actually sometimes, I think, getting, getting feedback and constructive feedback too. So that's mm. good. Well, yeah. I did bribe people. I did a giveaway of, I, I said, you know, I'll randomly pick <laughs> 10 people and give them a book. So we had a lot of authors at the summit last year. So I said, you can pick from any author that's written a book at the summit. And uh, so we had 10 people each day. So I gave away 40 books in total wow. to people, you know, just randomly of people who build out surveys. So that that helped a lot, I think. <laughs> but the, the wow. feedback was so valuable for me that it was yeah. worth it because I, I really was able to see like, okay, what's resonating with people? What do I want to make changes to next year? And is mostly positive. Um, and, you know, I, I really see the ones that uh, were, were constructive criticisms as a way for me to make improvements. So. Um, I have to admit that if I, because if you're so passionate about something and you feel like you own this and you get constructive criticism, I would find that really hard to take. I must admit, I'd have to know. I'm not. I'm not reading that yet. No, 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 no. Yeah, especially if it's your heart and your soul that's gone into it, which it clearly has. I mean, it's such a passion project, isn't it? I can tell by the way you've spoken about it. It's just like this is my heart and my soul. Oh, I mean, one hundred percent. I, I, I think that's what when this idea, uh, like you guys have said, of like making, making money off of people's grief. I think the other reason it doesn't resonate with me in that way is that, um, I'm having to fight and work really hard to try to stay in this space. It would be so much easier for me if I just stayed at my job and, uh, gave this up and just had a normal nine to five, or, you know, uh, if I decided I want to do something different to move into a different nonprofit space or something else that was just a, a built-in salary. And I don't have to worry about any of this. Um, so, you know, I really am fighting so hard for this because it is my greatest passion. I, I want to stay in this community. I want to be able to build out all these different ideas that I have um, for different projects and events. And I get excited just thinking about it. Like it doesn't feel like work to me. It feels just so amazing to be so connected to the community and to be able to think of ways that I can contribute to support and infrastructure and community building and I want to be here, but I'm having to fight really hard to try to do that. And so I think that's what people maybe don't realize is I'm not looking at this as like 
an easy way to make money off of people, you know, like I'm, mm. I, I am just trying to figure out, can I find a way to do this where I can replace my current salary so that I, you know, have the security that I have right now. And oh, Best of luck. I hope, I hope you achieve it because it's such a, such an incredible thing that you've built seemingly from a blog. <laughs> <It's> incredible. <laughs> So Thank I hope, you. I hope you get to stick around because I think you, you're going to take this, you know, so many different places if you if you have that opportunity. So yeah, well done. Thank you. No, and, th- and thank you. So I much. really really appreciate yeah. your 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 honesty about about this because it's not an easy conversation to have, and um, no. but no. it's a necessary one. And I really thank you for your honesty. And I must admit too, listening um, listening to how you explain about the need to have to be supported to provide more has certainly shifted the way that I think as well in, in terms of um yeah it it's a it's it's a it's a bit of a cringy thing but listening to you has actually been really good and I think this is a I think from our community point of view it's a conversation that we need to, that needs to keep going you know so we can yeah. almost normalize this mm-hmm. Well, and I also think a lot of people, if you haven't done the type of activities that that we're doing, you may not know how many hours goes in to it. Like you see the finished product, right? So for listeners of your podcast, they just see that a new podcast comes out and they get to listen to it. And it's, you know, however long it is. And it's like, oh, that's great that they put this, you know, hour and a half into recording this podcast. Well, that doesn't show everything that has to be done on the back end. You guys have your website that you run, you've got your Instagram that you run, you've got, um, I'm sure a lot of production costs, but also, you know, editing. And um, if you have an email list, you're, you're having to manage that. It's, it's like for me to do everything I'm doing right now, people just see the, the outcome product. Um, but for example, for the summit, this is a six month project for me. So I'm spending all my nights and weekends for six months building out this event, which people come to for four days and, and enjoy and watch. And it's like, oh, this is great. Um, but I just don't think that people always understand like how much tech there is involved. I had to learn how to design, like build websites to do this and uh, figure out how to connect my email uh, provider so that when someone registers, they get that auto responder. It's all that stuff that people I don't think really uh, maybe don't know or don't think about that goes into it. Where if the final product you see is an hour, the investment in the different tech tools, like financially that you had to do to get that there, or the the behind the scenes work that you did was maybe a few hours to support that one hour of content that you created. So it is a, a massive investment in all of our, I think, time and, and also finances. You know, a lot of us are paying out of pocket for the different tools or uh, products we need to make these things happen. So. Definitely. I think that, yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. Thank you, Katie. It, it's kind yeah. of feels like we sort of started off talking about chasing creation. We've gone into a really interesting area that deserves more poking and prodding around and something we'll have to explore again I think in a later episode I'd love to have you back to talk about that I think we we could benefit I think all of us from that conversation and I know there'll be other people I'm sure who um I I use this word loosely because I always feel like I'm never 
fit it myself, but kind of community leaders or whatever the word is, but other people doing stuff very similar to all of us who will probably be listening to this going, yeah, actually this means something too. So I'm, yeah. I'm that, that it might be something we can collectively all sit around the table um, and be able to talk about and see what resources we can share. I'm sure there's so much that we all know, but we're perhaps not sharing perhaps as much as we need to. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And I think another just reason that this is so important too is that um, all of us have different personalities and different ways that we uh, process our experience of being childless. And we need a lot of voices who are public in this space and providing support because not I am not everyone's cup of tea. Not everyone is going to resonate with what I'm saying. I am not going to be a person who everyone wants to come to for support. And, uh, but I want there to be someone else that is there, that is the connection for them that can say, yeah, I may not be your cup of tea, but this person would be perfect fit for you. And I think that's where supporting each other and having a lot of avenues for um, people to get that support that they're needing and in a way that feels good to them and feels like a real genuine connection um, is just so important. Absolutely. Almost, almost sounds like there's got to be an in-person global summit of, of childless leaders. I can feel it. Well, there, was, there was the episode with Jodie Day that we last had where they, we riffed about something to do with, um, oh, what was it? Camper vans and... and oh, um, yeah, festival. Yeah, a festival. Yeah, mm. that was it, a festival. Yeah, we're going back to that one now. That one day, you never know, it might happen. <laughs> Thank you for your time, Katie. Oh, thank, thank you ever so much for, for your eight o'clock start today. Um, yeah. That's been much appreciated. It's always lovely to catch up with you. And we're so looking forward to the summit. It's It was, we had such, we had so many good things last year. Um, this year can only be even better. Um, although I think that's probably hard to beat the first year, but I'm sure you cracked it. I know you have. <laughs> well, last year is amazing. This year is just different. You know, we have some, of the same speakers back and a lot of new ones. And I'm so grateful for all of you for um, your presentation and, and the time that you've invested in the summit. So thank you so much. And I know people are gonna love your presentation. You're very oh, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you're you very Kay. welcome. Thank you for inviting us. All right, there we go. I'll leave that recording. Uh, yeah. Because we might find a nice funny that I can put at the beginning of the recording. But uh, yeah. <laughs> This is this bit oh. won't be. This is this will be edited up. <sighs> that was brilliant. Brief. Thank you ever so much. Yeah, thank you. That was, that was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I just sat and listened for most of it. <laughs> but yeah, it's really good. Thank you, Katie. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I was going to say too. I don't know if you guys want to uh, participate in the affiliate program, but I think you should because it's. I think you're probably one of the the only like groups or speakers that um, could see some money come in from that. It's, it was interesting yeah. last year because, um, so I don't know if you've read through it, but the way that it works is basically you just set up your own link for full stop podcast. And then um, if anyone ends up buying a summit pass throughout the summit, you would get 50% of that. And so um, I, it, it was interesting to see. I thought it would be more spread out last year that, everyone would kind of have like a few sales or something. And then there might be a few people who had a lot and uh, the discrepancy was really big. So like a few people who had bigger like lists and, and, you know, email lists and all of that 
um, a few people made, you know, a grand or a couple grand through that. And then, um, and then a few other people made like, I don't know, maybe two or three cells through it. And then most of the speakers didn't make any. So last year I had just set up the affiliate program and wasn't paying like a speaker fee. Um, then with, I made enough that I was able to go back and pay everybody who didn't make anything, um, the $150 speaker fee from last year. Um, this year, I just decided to add in the speaker fee from the beginning so that I knew that everyone would get compensated for their time. But um, I think I think you are a good example of people who have an audience where you may get some of those um, yeah. affiliate sales. We'd be happy to in. do that. That's absolutely fine. Um, I know you sent an email through about it. And because I look after the newsletter and the website, as long as Michael and Sarah are comfortable, then I can put that all in to all the necessary communications. We'll pop it on the website too, on the um, first page, and we'll get that done, because I think that's just, it's certainly having this episode as well, it just confirms that, you know, we're thoroughly 100% behind you, which is what we really want to be. It's yeah. it's really important um, to to be part of that and I think to be visible too and I think because we're monthly it we we can start to do that now from the next from the, the episode that's coming up and we can keep rolling it through as well that also kind of gives us we've got a bit more content I think coming up and going out on a more regular basis perhaps too so yeah absolutely fine it'll go into the listeners list and on the website too so yeah and it's completely up to you i mean you you do definitely don't have to do um any promotion you don't feel comfortable with and we're happy and to do that don't have to do the affiliate, but it adds more stuff yeah. to the newsletter which is always when you do a newsletter and you commit to something i'm forever nagging my <laughs> write something because my words have escaped me so um yeah that was also beneficial but again it's informative and useful at the end of the day um yeah i think it's in our best interest to promote things that we know will genuinely be helpful and informative to our audience as well and and we we help each other out um that is one of the great wonderful things that we can do and more than happy to do that so yeah, we have well, to, do hoping... we have to instigate that though we we've got a there's a link that we've got to follow to set that up okay yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't said I haven't sent it yet because um, promotion doesn't start until June twentieth okay. um, for speakers, and so I we're still a few weeks out. So I'm uh, planning to have all of that information to all of the speakers by June sixth, so that you have. So what I create is um, information about the affiliate program and the link to sign up for your unique link, um, and then. And the way that that works to try to make it more fair across the board is that um, whoever someone first clicks on the website through like through the, let's see. Okay, like let's say I first hear about Summit from you. And so I click the link and get taken to the registration page. And then I register for the Summit and I don't buy a pass. But then uh, four days later, I decide, oh, this is really great. I want this. And I purchase one. Um, you would be the one who got the, the affiliate uh, commission from that because it tracks based on who came to the website the very first time they came to my site, not who, not whose link did they use to actually buy the pass. So I was hoping that actually spreads out kind of the fairness of it so that people who have bigger lists um, aren't getting all of them because it, it kind of spreads it out. So um, anyway, I hope that that might be an opportunity for you all to maybe get, you know, a few hundred bucks or something that you can add to your 
um, speaker, like in addition to your speaker's fees that you could use towards the summit or, or sorry, the podcast or something like that. Um, Perfect but, yeah. as well. So it's, it's actually when we release the next episode. So I noted it down so that I make sure that we go back and set that up because around the 20th is when we'll put out the episode anyway. So it all works. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah, it's fortuitous timing. It wasn't quite yeah. like that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it happens well. Yeah. well. Um, just make sure you include that that unique link in any promotion that you do and then um that will track it and in addition to that I also create well my niece this year is doing I'm paying her to do it but she's doing all my social media graphics and then I'll write um what's called like swipe copy for all those so that there's you know captions and then I'll even have like suggested emails so I'll put all of that into a folder that um speakers can use to make promotion really simple and you are free to do your own graphics or um, come up with whatever copy you want. So you can make and you can make it your own in any way you want to, but I, I include all that just to make it super easy if people don't want to think about it and would just prefer to use something that's already been created. So, um, so yeah, when I send out an email next week, it will have all of that, a, a link to all the different promo stuff you can use and then, um, getting set up with the affiliate link. So that is yes. wonderful. You. Look out for that. Thank you ever so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Katie. Lovely meeting you. Thank you for listening. We hope you found Katie as inspiring as we did. And we'd love to hear from you on your thoughts about how to support those giving support in our community. And if you want to find out more about Katie's work and the Childless Collective Summit, you can find her at www.chasingcreation.org. And if you want to find out more about our podcast or you have a burning topic we've not covered, please reach out to us as we'd like to be as inclusive and diverse as possible. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and we also have a channel on YouTube. But of course, you can always go to our website, www.thefullstoppod.com, where you can sign up for our listeners list, where you can keep up to date on everything that's going on in our world And I'd also give you the chance to donate to our work if you want to do that too. And as always, it's important for us to let you know you are not alone. I know, because I think, let's see, Michael, I've talked to you and Berenice, we were on the panel together uh, during World Childless Week, but I think, Sarah, this is our first time meeting. So yeah, it's really great to to be here. And I'm such a fan of your podcast. I listen to every episode and... I just love it. So thank Thank you. you. Thank you ever so much. That means the world to us. It really does. (laughs) Don't get me crying. (laughs) I don't get him crying. No.